So I was surprised with a PSX event, like a PlayStation Experience event. I didn't know this was happening. Um, and uh, Sony wheeled out a bunch of developers and a ton of remakes and remasters that uh, I guess are coming over the next year or two. I mean, it, I don't think that there's anything that's for the holiday season announced from this, no. unless I'm mistaken. But it's... um. I guess it's a way to try and build up a bit more excitement about the platform. Plus, they had a couple of games that they were showing, which are out now, like uh, Last Guardian and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, there were a few trailers that we saw for some new stuff that uh, we should maybe go over a little bit. Um, one of them was Vane. Um, yeah. I think you said to me that this is this isn't the first time that this game has been shown. Yeah, I don't think so. I, but, I remember it was shown in some form at E3, maybe last year. Mm-hmm. I guess. Or maybe this year, I don't know. I just, I remember this game. And my understanding is that these developers had some issues, maybe. They're still working on it, and we got this reveal trailer. And my impression is that it's some kind of um, journey or eco type of game. You know, It's this... got that look to it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got it this is poetic... Of, uh, it is of the eco generation kind of, th- kind of thing. You know, you can see it, and you'll be like, oh, you can see where the... The influences come for a game like that. Uh, absolutely no real detail about how the what the game is about, how it's played, or anything like that. But it does look it does look very pretty. Yeah, the developers even say we're shooting for a specific feeling that's hard to put into words. So we're we're looking at this kind of poetic, you know, adventure with these beautiful landscapes, um, this very peculiar graphic style. And it's definitely, you know, it comes from the uh, from the eco and the uh, dead game companies sort of legacy, yep. you know, th- th- those types of games. Um, it looks great. I, ju- I don't know what it is, but it looks great. So we're uh, it's coming out next year, I think. Yeah, and we're there's also to it. you know with like kids walking around in like spooky places. There is a bit of uh, a vibe of um, what's the name of that game? You know what I'm thinking of? The black and white one. Oh yes, the one. Uh, uh, why, why are you doing this to me, Mike? The PlayStation well, game. Yeah, with all. Uh, yes, with the, the the kid and the spiders, and it's all black and white, and it's like scary. In, inside. No, inside Limbo? was the follow up to it. Limbo. Limbo. Yeah, it's yeah. got a kind of a limbo vibe to it as well. I think. So you can see the influences in a game like that, and to be honest, the influences are good. If you can create a game that that meets up to any of those things, maybe they've got something good on their hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll keep checking on this. It looks very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, something I'm really excited about, Mike, and you probably are not. Uh, Yakuza, uh, the PlayStation Two title about the Japanese mafia and criminal lifestyle, is getting a PS4 remake, and it's coming to the West next year. So, um, why do you think I wouldn't be excited about this? Uh, have, did you play the original Yakuza on no. PS2? Okay, but so, I am excited about it because this is the right. type of game that I like. It's GTA like. Yes, know? it is. I played the original game so much on my PS2. It was one of my most played games. Uh, it was a moment in my life where I was really into the idea of um, sort of writing about video games and moving to Japan and you know Nintendo mm-hmm. and Sony. I was all into the 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 I uh, the, the the dream of being a nerd in Japan. And I had a bunch of friends who actually were studying Japanese. I was just out of high school, had a lot of free time, and I was playing a lot of Yakuza on my PlayStation 2. Now it's getting a, re- a remaster, a remake on PlayStation 4, 
completely redone graphics, 1080p, 60 frames per second. There's going to be some optimizations to the story. So it ties into the prequel that they did, Yakuza 0, I think it's called. Yep. Um, so there's going to be, it's going to be not a new game, but also not a straight remaster, you know, just bumping up the textures and the graphics. It's going to be a little more than that. And I'm yeah, really excited to get this. I think they kind of described it more as a remake, like they're starting yeah. over. Uh, but it's the same game. One of the things that I really loved uh, from the Eurogamer article is explaining that, like, you could be in the world, so you could be driving around in the world, and your villain, like the nemesis, Goro Majima, could pop up and you just start fighting, like, in yeah. random places. I think that's amazing. That's, like, yeah. the type of open world game that I like, like, the alive open world. So, yeah, I'm excited about both of these games, about... um is it Yakuza Kiwami, which is, I think that means extreme. Uh, and then they're bringing Yakuza 6 in 2018. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about both of these. This is a style of game that I like a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot of Yakuza games in the meantime. Yeah, I've never played any of them. No, I mean, I only played the first one uh, that I sort of, I didn't buy a PlayStation 3, so kind of the Yakuza franchise sort of, I, 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 I didn't play all the other games. Uh, but it's definitely, it's it's a different kind of open world game, you know, for sure, because it's not set in America or Europe, which is a nice change of pace, for one. And uh, the story, I remember, was amazing. And the character, you know, was all over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fighting and the story, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, something I'm not really excited about, because I never quite got into the series, is a new Wipeout game. Uh, which which is a remaster collection. It's not yeah. a sequel. It's a bunch of games together, remastered for PlayStation Four. The only thing that I'm, you know, the only kind of comment that I have about this. I mean, I'm, yeah, I have played Wipeout. Wipeout's fun. Uh, it could be really good. You know, running at sixty frames a second in the HDR, it could look really good because it's a bright and colorful game. But there's no PSVR support announced, and this seems like you know, you look at a game like Thumper. Wipeout is perfect for PSVR. I'm very surprised that, that that this isn't something that they're working for. Yeah, imagine Wipeout. You're sitting inside the cockpit of the <laughs> of the spaceship, and even just, just being behind it, you know, and just yeah. just watching it. You know, like we both love Thumper, right? Uh, and, and it's yeah. it's that's clearly Wipeout inspired. Um, so I would like, yeah, I would, I would really like to see this, but unfortunately. No, no PSVR support. They didn't really have a lot of PSVR talk at, at no. PSX. No, not really, not really. I think that uh, just kind of, you know, I just don't think there's a lot of games in 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 uh, close development right now. I expect there is a lot happening on PSVR, but just none, none to show maybe for the time being. Just maybe. a shame. Yeah, it could be. So let's talk about the big one, Mike. Yeah, this was the. I guess this was the really big news, right? Uh, Crash Bandicoot. Is that what we're going to talk about right now? We're going to talk about no. Crash Bandicoot. Well, okay, let's talk about Crash Bandicoot. There's going to, <laughs> I mean, sure. There's going to be there's going to be an official remake of the original Crash Bandicoot, and it's called Crash Bandicoot and Saint Trilogy. Yeah, we expected this was going to happen after Uncharted, right? Yes, yes. Uh, but what I love here is that the the developers in charge of this remake they've actually doing all they can to catch the vibe of the original game, the background, the context of the developers who made the original game, the graphics, the sketches, the artwork. So they're doing a very... I mean, I'm looking at the trailer, and it looks like... The first thing I thought is, 
my brain, you know, when my brain remembers old games, the memory doesn't tend to be accurate because it then when I go, now, right? It remembers them now, now. Yeah. and yeah. this is the type of remake that is the old game with the graphics and the some details from modern games. And it's it looks amazing to me because down to the sound effects, the animations, uh, even you know all the little details, it looks amazing. But it's done with modern graphics and modern animations, and you can see you know uh, the graphics are completely new because you cannot remake a you cannot do a remaster of no, a PlayStation One the, game. I like the um the post on the on the PlayStation blog where they're just like it's just impossible that the, the yeah. code would never run. So we, you know, there, there's no way to do this other than to start all over again. Honestly, I'm not massively excited for this, um, <laughs> and I, I, I never really liked Crash Bandicoot very much. Mm. Like, I played it and it was fine, but I, I don't have it, Crash Bandicoot is not a series that I have such affinity for. Like, I don't see myself picking up this game, to be honest. Mm. But I, I can yeah. see why so many people would want to because it is a cult yeah. classic. You know, it's a great. It was a great series at the time. People really loved it. But uh, I'm I'm not sure this one will be will be for me. I really like platformers, but not in the style, the mm. Infinite Runner style that is Crash Bandicoot, like the first ever yeah. Infinite Runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, I have so many fond memories of uh, playing Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation demo disc. Over and over. Oh, I played the Until demo. I don't think actually think I owned the get the first game. I used to play the demo disc. I think I started from Crash Bandicoot two, and then I fell in love with Crash Bandicoot three. Um, and I remember I couldn't finish uh, Crash Bandicoot two, so I brought the game over to a friend's house, and for some reason he, he was like a master of Crash Bandicoot, and he finished the game in a single afternoon. I was impressed. Hmm. I was a little disappointed because he was so good at the game, and I wasn't. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's one of. I think it's gonna be fun to revisit this game. It looks great in the trailer, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the big one I wanted to talk about, Mike. Still not the big one. Oh, I'm, I must have misunderstood. I, I want to talk about the Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. which uh, I mean, I was not expecting a sequel to the Last of Us. Honestly. Really? No. All right, no okay. I, so let's let's just do this for a moment. I have not finished the game. Uh, I think maybe you can't speak about this without spoilers, which I'm fine oh, no. about. But if I mean, I'm fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but if you no, because are... I wanted to talk about the ending. Yeah, and no, no. I don't so want... I, all I'm doing now is just telling the listener okay. that if they don't want spoilers, to like jump ahead five minutes or so. Yes, because uh, I'm I'm fine with you talking about this. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. So the game, the the first, uh, the Last of Us. Um, so at this point, part one, I guess, it ends with. Uh, Joel and Ellie, and Ellie has been infected uh, by the, you know, the virus that's going around all over the world. And in fact, they discovered that Ellie is the only one to be immune to the virus. It doesn't affect her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't turn crazy and into a monster like other people. Oh, I know this. We spoke about this already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they go to the after a lot of you know driving and walking around basically they reach this hospital uh where there's members of the fireflies you know the the rebel group mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they have doctors and there's um what's the name of the woman darlene maybe uh so anyway they're doing some research and they discovered the fact that ellie was uh, you know the only person to be immune to this virus 
And after a lot of struggles, and you hear these um, segments of uh, like cassette tapes where you hear the backstories of these doctors and their lean doing research and coming to terms with the fact that if they want to develop a vaccine, they need to basically um, operate, uh, perform a surgery on Ellie and she will die because they need to analyze her brain, I think. And they need to extract uh, brain tissue and brain cells. Um, so in order to save the world, Ellie needs to die. And you arrive to this hospital with Joel uh, because they took Ellie. And basically Joel in, in prefers to sacrifice the entire world to save Ellie. So he kills the doctors, takes Ellie back, arrives in the parking lot, is, is about to drive away. Darlene stops him. And she tries to explain that she's the only one who can, you know, it's the only solution they can find a cure for this virus. But rather than giving her up, you know, to save the entire world population, he kills Darlene. I'm just assuming that the name is Darlene. I think it's Darlene. Anyway, he kills the leader of the Fireflies and he escapes. And that's a very, you know, that's a very selfish choice, I would say. Uh, but I... You know, this is the struggle that the the story of The Last of Us wants you to confront. Mm -hmm. uh, they're driving away. Ellie wakes up and she asks Joel, uh, "What's going on? What happened?" And he, this is the 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 ending. He tells her a lie. He says, uh, "You were at the hospital. I took you because it turns out there's a whole bunch of people like you. Uh, you didn't need to die." And so they drive away. Now they're walking in a forest. And you can tell that she doesn't believe what Joel said. So she asks him again, uh, do you swear that this is the truth? Uh, that, you know, I wasn't the only one, there were other people. And that, you know, you, you really did what was the best thing you could do. And he says, I swear. And the game ends. So the, the end of The Last of Us is a lie of a selfish man who grew so attached to this girl because he was seeing his daughter in her and faced with the choice of do I want to save the world by allowing these doctors to find a cure or can I save my daughter this time? He chose his daughter or, you know, Ellie. Um... And it's a very powerful, you know, question. What would you do if you were Joel? What would you save this girl or would you, you know, let her die for the greater good? Uh, so it's a, it's a big question. It's a big lie. But in my mind, the story was done. Like there was a, an, there was a beginning and an end and the game was supposed to leave you hanging with that sort of question. But now we're getting a sequel. <laughs> and... Uh, and I and I get it. Like I maybe I should have expected it uh, because I'm I'm reading um, in the blog post. There was a trailer shown at PSX, and you can see uh, a few years have passed. Um, there's a you know uh, the camera pans around in this sort of village with the Firefly logo, and you see a bunch of dead people on the ground, and the camera moves around. It goes into this house. There's blood. There's dead people on the ground and there's Ellie playing the, uh, an acoustic guitar and she's singing 
And you can tell that she killed those people. And Ellie is now older, probably like 18 or 19. And Joel starts walking into the house. Uh, you never see Joel's face. You only see Ellie's at the end. But she basically says something along the lines of, I promise you I'm going to kill every one of them. Now, the developers at Naughty Dog uh, said, uh, we really struggled with the idea of, do we want to give Joel and Ellie a story, a, a, another story? Do we want to create a sequel? And they came up with a lot of ideas. They, you know, they, they abandoned a lot of ideas and the game almost never got made until they, they, they reached that single idea that made sense for this universe, that made sense for this story. And uh, Neil Druckmann uh, in the blog post on the PlayStation blog said, uh, while the first game, at the core of that game, there was a love relationship with the, between these two characters, you know, this father figure and this Ellie, which was like his daughter, the second game is a counter of that. This is a story about hate, which is quite powerful. And there's a whole bunch of uh, possible outcomes, I think. Um, could be that maybe Ellie has figured out the lie uh, that Joel told her in the fir- at the end of the first game. Um, but then why are they together? Why do they live together in the woods? Why, why is Ellie killing people? There's again, uh, of course... Uh, the internet has already come up with all sorts of crazy theories, uh-huh. which include the fact that Joel in the trailer may be actually dead and he's a ghost and Ellie is seeing a ghost and is basically hunting down people to find the killers of Joel. Like, people have already come up with a lot of these theories. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, this is several years off. It's probably coming out in 2018. I assume that we're going to see an extended trailer at E3 2017. Gameplay, maybe. Gameplay? Or Gameplay? No? May, I don't know. Or maybe at least actually setting up what the story is. Yeah. There's going yeah. to be delays, for sure. Yep, yep. Uh, but I'm really I'm really intrigued to see how Naughty Dog follows up to the story of the first one. Because it was yeah, I so... think before this game comes out, I will try and finish The Last of Us. I got stuck. I got stuck really badly um, mm. in a scene. and So I would like to try and finish it at some point. Yeah, I'm sorry that I spoiled. The, it was uh, fine. It's totally fine. It, yeah, that that's a good story, but knowing that doesn't make me want to play it any more or less. Like, you know, it's it's a good story. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great story, and again, maybe I should have expected the game to, you know, the second game to to come out, but uh... it doesn't matter how the story ends for me. It was such a success that they will oh, make yeah. another one. Yeah. Like what they're doing with Uncharted. Yes. Right? We spoke about this. Like, will there be more Uncharted games? And I think when we did our review of the of the of Uncharted, we all agreed that they won't make another Drake game. Yes. But we believed that they would maybe make a game with Drake's daughter, which they're not doing, yeah. but I think they still no. will. But now they are making more games within the Uncharted universe, and the first of those mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, they haven't said this, but I believe the first of those uh, is the Lost Legacy, which mm-hmm. follows. Um, I think that the lead character in this game is Chloe Fraser, right? Yes, and from Uncharted, from Uncharted two, and two three, yes, something like that. Um, and then she, and it also seems like Nadine Ross, who was introduced in yeah. four. It's the two of them, and the the the. It was really clever the way that they did the unveiling. It looked like a Tomb Raider game. 
It, you know, it yeah. looked like they were about to show a new Tomb Raider, but actually it's a new Uncharted. With just, it looks like, from what they've announced and shown so far, just female characters, which is great. I'm really pleased to see that. Yeah, it looks great. And uh, there was a big surprise at PSX during the event uh, because um, Chloe starts walking around with a, what's it called? A jihad? A hijab. On her. Yes. And so you don't see her face. And then when you know when the the fighting begins, so you start seeing Nadine. It's like people are clapping, cheering, and then the Uncharted logo was amazing. And uh, I, I think it's awesome that they're doing this sort of uh, you know strong female characters in an Uncharted game, which is usually you know it's always been with Drake um, being the lead protagonist. And I, and I think it's great that they're trying to expand beyond Drake. Uh, if only because you know the Uncharted games are fun, yeah, and they 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 do good storytelling. It's fun. It's like an action movie. Yeah. So and what I like about this is that the two characters that we're seeing in this game, they're not like being created for this game and just be like, oh, these are super tough female characters. Like we know these characters, we know how strong they are. Like there's real storytelling in this. You know, like it's not just something that is, they've just created for you know to maybe to try and appeal to a changing market. Like this game has been created because these are two awesome characters who have existed within the Uncharted universe who deserve their own stories. Yes. By the way, a quick follow-up before people tweet at me. The leader of the Fireflies in The Last of Us, she's not called Darlene, she's called the Marlene. Oh, that's too, it's too late, man. It's too late yeah, for I you know. now. There's people are going to pause the podcast and tell me about it yep. on Twitter. It's fine. It's fine. So anyway, she dies. So, so there's a strong lineup coming. I mean, as I said, there's a lot of remasters in there, but man, yeah. Naughty Dog. Like, pff, at what point does do Sony just buy them? I like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like, of all the games we've spoken about today, three of them are Naughty Dog games. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> they're they're a very very important developer for Sony right now. I mean, they're making the best and the arguably the most important games on PlayStation. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, The Last of Us and Uncharted are the two reasons why a lot of people buy a PlayStation. Uncharted uh, has been like a store of the console for so long, and now it looks like The Last of Us is about to become one of those as well. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm I'm really excited to to play both of these games, even though it's going to be another two years. Uh, so now I'm just gonna keep busy with Final Fantasy 15, which I know you're not playing, uh, and I and I have some thoughts, but I want to wait for for a couple more weeks before before I share them because I'm still not sure. Yeah, you'll be surprised, I think. Huh? Why do you think yeah. that? Uh, because my first impression was not what I was expecting. That's all I'm gonna say for now. Really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I want to play this game, but uh, I'm moving house right now. My PlayStation is in a box. It was a really different vibe that I was imagining. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. It's it almost okay. like it didn't feel like a Final Fantasy to me. So um, I've seen some videos of it. Uh, and the videos that I've seen do not excite me. Like, I would like to play this game. I don't think I'm going to buy this game. I think I'm still in the tutorial sort of stage because I only played a few hours. Because so I'm, you start I'm pushing really... the car, right? I've seen this. 
Start by pushing the car, which is like, okay. <laughs> PewDiePie did an incredible video. Uh, oh, I gotta watch that. It's so funny. It, basically, it's just bro movie. And I'm, yeah. I, you know, actually, I'm, I don't, I don't know how how excited I am to really try it. it well, to me, I, I want to play it, but I, don't, I definitely don't want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't. I've I've never really been huge into Final Fantasy anyway, uh, and this game kind of doesn't really make me want to play it anymore. I think it's 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 gonna get better because I'm I'm still in the first area, and uh-huh. but when I when I started playing the game, the first thing I thought was, this looks like real life with a bunch of characters with weird hairstyles. But it's like, there's a car, there's a mechanic, there's people wearing normal clothes, there's a street, (laughs) there's a gas station. It doesn't look like Final Fantasy. It doesn't look like a fantasy world. It just looks like regular world with monsters in it. Yes. And my first reaction was like, um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I'm used to starting a Final Fantasy game and you're you're transported into this crazy, fantastic world where nothing you're looking at is possible in real life. Whether it's, you know, architectures that seem impossible or, I don't know, people dressed in weird ways or a medieval sort of setting. And here you start by pushing a car with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Okay, you know, maybe it gets better. Maybe I w- once I leave this, I'm basically stuck in the middle of uh, like an American sort of desert with a single mm-hmm. road in the middle and a gas station with a mechanic, which is very unepic <laughs> for yeah. for you know a first beginning. Uh, but maybe it gets better. Maybe when you get to the first city, you're gonna see you know all these crazy things. I don't know. Still early, but the first impression was not good at all like it left me a bit bored honestly i was like okay this is like gta with japanese young boys with a sword <laughs> and the combat man I, I don't know i don't know but we gotta talk about it in a couple of weeks yeah i think we will yeah all right let's take a break and thank our sponsor for this week's episode then we've got to talk about pokemon i mean why else would you be here today we've got yes. to talk about pokemon Today's show is brought to you by Foot Cardigan. I have a few questions for you, dear listener. Have you ever wished that the Sock Fairy would pay you a visit? Do you want to be known as the best gift giver around this holiday season? Do you want to be the envy of everyone you know because you have awesome socks delivered to your mailbox every month? The answer to these questions must be yes, surely. Foot Cardigan is here to make all of these dreams come true. They will deliver fun socks every month to your doorstep. And the best part, you don't have to actually choose the pair that you get. You'll get a surprise pair in the mail. Surprises are the greatest, and so are Foot Cardigan's incredible socks. Starting at just $9 a month, Foot Cardigan will be the perfect gift for that person in your life. Or just something to treat yourself with, because there's no shame in that. Foot Cardigan has socks for men, women, and kids in a bunch of different styles. Maybe you want no-show socks or luxury socks. It doesn't matter. Foot Cardigan have got your feet covered. I am wearing Foot Cardigan socks today, Federico, and they are yellow and brown, and they have (laughs) spatulas on them. (laughs) Nice. 
This this is what has happened to my sock drawer since I signed up for Foot Cardigan a year ago, and it's one of my very favorite things to receive in the mail every month. You can get 10% off your order off any subscription over at footcardigan.com with the coupon code REMASTER at checkout. That's footcardigan.com, coupon code REMASTER for 10% off. Thank you so much to Foot Cardigan for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's let's try to review Pokemon Sun and Moon. Now, neither of us have finished this game. No, right? not at all. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> How far are you? I think um, anytime me and you we play these kinds of games, we take two different approaches. Yes. You start running through the story, mm-hmm. and you go and you go and you go. Whereas I start grinding, and I'm slow because I want to view all the secrets, I want to catch all the Pokemon, I want to, you know, uh, increase the levels of all my team members. So I'm just beginning to start the route four. So it's basically the second <laughs> island. Yeah, okay, we're, we're After, very, very different in our positions right well, now. What, what's, what's the name? Hihi? Hihi? What, what do you say that name of the, 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 the city in the second island? Oh, I don't know. He he city. <laughs> I don't know. I, I it's, I'm it's on many. Unspeakable. I'm on like the fourth or fifth island right now. Something oh, like man. that. Oh man. Yeah, so, I, I've yeah. completed four trials. Yeah, I completed like two, <laughs> maybe just one. I don't know. I think one. I only fought with one Kahuna, so one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've I, actually I've done three. I've done three trials. Yeah. And I've registered okay. forty-two Pokemon to my Pokedex. Yeah, I think I've done one trial, but I already have like thirty Pokemon in my Pokedex. Okay, because yeah, I'm trying to be a completionist already. And to be fair, I also have the official guide. So what I do is I do an area on my own, and then I check the guide for all the secrets that I missed. Actually, so and- I say I have forty-two. I have forty-two in my Alola Pokedex. There, this is one of the things that I'm a little bit confused about this time. There are multiple Pokedexes in this game, um, which you will come across soon enough when you move to different islands. I have the Alola Pokedex, the Mele Mele Pokedex, the Akala Pokedex, and the Ula Ula Pokedex, and they all have different numbers on them. Um, like I have forty-two, thirty-two, eighteen, and nineteen. I'm a little bit confused as to how many Pokemon I've actually seen and caught, um, but that kind of that's where I am with that. Unless maybe there's overlaps in the Pokedexes, I don't know. There might be overlaps. Uh, it's it's confusing. There is a lot of Pokemon in this game. I think. Yeah, I think it's clever that they're trying to split up the Pokedex in in multiple islands. Mm-hmm. I think in, by breaking it up in multiple chunks, it sort of makes it more accessible, and it. I know that it's going to give you, uh, you know, you're going to get rewards for completing each island's uh, Pokedex. Yeah. So it's sort of, you you get more rewards instead of having to complete the single big Pokedex. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking a slow approach. I'm checking the guide, which I bought in two versions, Italian and English. Um, and yeah, I'm-, I'm not using a guide this time. Um, at all, and, and I don't think I will. And the reason is, is that they've kind of built a guide into the game now which is the Rotom decks, which tells you where you need to go. Yeah, but it doesn't tell you, like, uh, which moves uh, a Pokemon is going to get when you when you level up, or it doesn't... Uh, I don't think it shows you secret items on the map, or it doesn't explain the conditions. Uh, you know, like, I, I, I was in the... 
in the first city mm-hmm. and I needed to exchange uh, to exchange a Drifloon in a and I would get 10,000 <laughs> what's it called money credits 10,000 credits I don't know uh and the only problem was you could catch uh, Drifloon in the cemetery, but only during the day. And because I play Pokemon during the uh, at night, which yeah. is a problem with Pokemon Sun, because it, I I didn't know that it would res- respect the actual day cycle. I needed to make a to do in my to do list uh, to to go to the cemetery during the day and catch a Drifloon, so I would get ten thousand credits. And so I'm trying to, you know, the guide tells you all these details, like yeah, for each um, area of the map, you it's very well done. Uh, you get these these icons that tell you you're gonna find this Pokemon here, and there are different labels for the rarity and the frequency uh, with which a Pokemon appears uh, as a wild encounter. And it's really convenient. You also see uh, items that you can find in an area. And for each sub-quest, there's a whole index in the guide. And it explains the conditions that need to be met so you can get a reward. And it's really nice. But, um, you know, it takes time. It takes time. Especially because, uh, again, I can only play at night. And for some tasks, because Pokemon Sun respects the actual day cycle of the console, I need to remember to fire up my DS during the day and complete them. Otherwise, I won't be able to do so at night because they're just not available. Same for catching Pokemon. Some Pokemon only appear during the day, so I yep. need to, if I really want to have them, I need to, you know, remember to do that. You see, um, this is stuff that I, I do in Pokemon games, but I do it after I've completed the story. Mm. You know, like, I want to go through the story. And the main reason I do that today is I have limited time for games in my life. And I always want to complete the stories because I've completed every story of every Pokemon game for the last 20 years. So I want to make sure I can do that and then I can maybe go through and do the end game stuff and and some things like that. And then, you know, try and catch all the... Try and catch as many Pokemon as I want before I get bored of the game. So, I mean, I'm I'm moving through. I'm moving through it quite a clip, but um, I'm enjoying this. I want to talk about the ways in which Sun and Moon are different because it's mm-hmm. the most different Pokemon game. But yeah. before that, I think maybe we should just talk about our overall feelings about Pokemon. We've both got Sun, right? I don't, I don't think it makes a massive difference. Um, I think it just depends on the, the legendaries you can catch, and, and there might be some some slight differences in branding of teams and stuff like that that they've done in the past, but I think the games are ultimately the same. Um, yeah. Overall, uh, I am absolutely in love with this game. Um, the, the changes that they have made are basically all for the better for making this a more approachable uh, and easier to understand and play game. Um, you know, that there are many things that they have changed here, but I think that most, if not all, of the changes have been done by people that thoroughly understand the way that Pokemon is played and, and have adapted the game in a bunch of different ways, made it easier in some ways, they've made it more interesting in other ways. Um, and overall, I think it has created one of the best Pokemon games I've played in a long time. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I feel like it's the m- most accessible Pokemon game to date. Yeah, And it's all in the little details that together add up over time to make a game more complex or just slower. For example, you get 
the ability of running. I think maybe this has been true for Pokemon games for a while, but you can run from the get-go. You don't have to unlock like running, running shoes, shoes or whatever. You just can run. Yep. Uh, but also the experience share, which you used to have to wait for, you know, a couple of series at least in all Pokemon games, you get it right at the beginning. So um, if you want to fight with a with the starter Pokemon that you get, which is what most people, including me, do. Uh, the other Pokemon in your team, already from the first city, they can, uh, you know, gain experience just by sitting on your, you know, your main yep. uh, Pokemon team. And for me, and the benefit of experience share is it then encourages me to use more Pokemon. Yes, because you can switch more easily because yeah. there's all of them are at a decent level. Right? And then so I'm you, not, like, yeah. catching random Pokemon at Victory Road. So I have a, a strong enough team to go into exactly. the Elite Four with, right? Like, I'm, I'm building up a team. Like, I have Pokemon on my team now. Like, I have a Hariyama, which is mm-hmm. a Pokemon I would never catch and train. But now, that is like, the Hariyama is like a staple of my team. That thing is going nowhere. It's like... Is that the, the evolution of the fighting Pokemon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he's an evolution. He basically, I think, is modeled after like a sumo character. Is kind of yes. the way that he uh, looks. The, the the first the the it's called Makuhita, I think. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he, okay. I know, I caught one of those. It was early in the game. I evolved it, and then it just kind of kept building up. And now it is incredibly powerful. Nice. And and it's like a level forty two or something like that. And he has like a hundred and seventy eight HP. Oh, nice. like, it's a monster of a Pokemon. <laughs> like he is the Pokemon that like when I am struggling in a battle. He's the one that I... Yeah, it's at level 40, 176 HP. <laughs> He's the guy that I can like can be confident that when everybody else has fainted, not only will he be able to do some damage, but I can use him as like a barrier to try and heal some stuff. You it's know? Like, go, go get him, big boy. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like comparing it... like I have, All of my Pokemon are in the level 40 range, and he's got like a clear 60 to 70 HP above all of them. Nice. Yeah, I have a rather traditional team for right. now. Give me your team. Let's let's talk about our teams. Like a, a level twenty-seven Toracat, which is my starter. Pokemon. So that was the fire one, right? Yes. Is that uh, the second version? Yes, it's Litten, uh, Litten Toracat, and Inch Incineroar. I think it's the final one. You see, I haven't this. seen this one because this is another change. Your rival, or like, there's a friend this time, but the guy that you keep fighting, he chooses the weaker. Yeah. Start a Pokemon. And they've yeah. never done this before. Yeah, and I think it's of, genius. A lot of people are making fun of the quote unquote rival because it's not really a rival. It's too kind. But <laughs> I like, like that. I like that it's a friend that you fight with and you fight because yeah. you're on the journey together. So you fight like that. But it's. I think it was just a really smart change to have him pick the, the, the weaker in type because it like, makes means that you're going to win. You know, it builds your confidence yeah. up. Yeah. Anyway, I also have a Rufflet, which is the bird Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dravus, uh, the ghost type. I have a matchup. I'm probably going to change matchup because it. I realize I'm just keeping him around because he reminds me of the first game. <laughs> uh, I have a Pichu, which I want to evolve into a Pikachu because I really want a Pikachu. That's difficult to do. Do you know how yeah, to evolve the Pichu into the Pikachu? It took me a very long time. With the friendship stuff. Yep. Yeah. And then my secret weapon, you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine what it is, but it's a, a level 21 Slowpoke. Why um, is that your secret weapon? <laughs> because with the Slowpoke is actually it's 
uh, it's a very nasty Pokemon the way I set it up. Basically, I gave Quick, uh, quick Claw mm-hmm. to Slowpoke, which is an item that you can hold and you have a chance of moving first. So Slowpoke is quite slow, you know, she doesn't have great uh, speed stats. So with Quick Claw, she has a chance of m- moving first. And then the moves that I have include Yawn, which is a normal type move that at the next turn makes the other Pokemon fall asleep. Yeah. So what I do, what I do well, you is... You sap a little assassin. Yes, I send out Slowpoke. Um, she is slow and she doesn't have a lot of HP, but she has a chance every once in a while to uh, move first. She does Yawn and once it's cast, uh, she takes the hit from the other Pokemon. But then at the next turn the other Pokemon falls asleep. So I can send out another one, like Matchup or uh, Toracat, and then I can have a little fun, you know, with uh, the other Pokemon is asleep and I can inflict damage or I can, you know, uh, maybe make it faint or just catch it. Uh, So I usually do this Slowpoke-Toracat combo quite a bit. Mm. But I want to change, because all these other Pokemon, like especially Matchup, and Miss Dravus, uh, I'm keeping them around because I remember them from previous games. So there's lo- sort of a nostalgic effect. Yeah. But I want to I want to know new Pokemon better. So I think I'm going to... Like Rufflet, for example, is a new Pokemon to, to me. I, I didn't know Rufflet before. Uh, I don't know if it's from X and Y either. Uh, but it's new to me, so I'm keeping it, keeping it around because it, you know I want to try new Pokemon. I don't want to be stuck in the past, even though that's possible. And I really want to have a Pikachu, but I also want to balance that with new Pokemon that I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because my team is very much set in the past. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, because these are the Pokemon that I understand. I know. I know yeah. their types. I know their moves. And, you know, I know how they react. And, and I I have been changing my team as I go. So these will rotate out. And, and I have had a team. My earlier team had more of the newer Pokemon in. But then as time has gone on, there's just been a couple of additions that I've made, which are what I consider to be sensible additions. So I'm on the final evolution stage of Rowlet, um, which is Desidui. He's a level 46. Nice. Um, I then have a level 44 Raichu. Now, oh. Now this is I know this is a controversial thing, right? The evolution of Pikachu to Raichu. And I want to talk did, this through with you. Why did you evolve Pikachu, man? <laughs> so I there is a story to this. So I caught a Pikachu okay. and I spent a long time leveling that thing up. It got to level twenty eight before I had satisfied the happiness of this thing to evolve. So then I had a Pikachu. But there is a problem with Pikachu. Pikachu is weak. HP wise mm. for the level. And Pikachu was fainting constantly. Like I couldn't win battles with him, and and I or with her actually in my case, and I I didn't know why. Um, and it was just like it just couldn't get her to be strong enough. Then I went into battle with a Raichu. Raichu is a baller in this game. Have you seen a Raichu? No. Just take a look at what it looks like. So Raichu is one of the island variant Pokemon. Oh, the Alolan variant. Which is a new thing for this game. So there are some Pokemon that have a different look to them and have different moves and types. Raichu is one of them. Not only does Raichu look awesome, in this game, Raichu is a dual-type Pokemon. He is electric and psychic. Oh. Raichu, they they have done something in this game which is so smart. They have made Pikachu worth evolving. 
previously it was always like a begrudging thing that you would evolve your Pikachu, but this Raichu looks awesome, like he floats on her tail, and she's also a dual move. I have Thundershock, Psychic, Psyshock, and Charge Beam. Raichu is an absolute beast in this game. Yeah, I didn't know this. It looks fantastic. So this is one of the smart things that they're doing with the island variants. And there are quite a few Pokemon that I've encountered that have the island variant thing. And some of them have changed type. Some of them have changed look. And it's it's a really interesting thing to do. Yeah, it's very it's very clever. And it, and it sort of ties into all these different things that this game is doing. Uh, and I would say overall, it seems to me like there's a, a deeper focus on the on the pokemon instead of people like the way that there's a like there's a guardian for uh each island or the way that you can use pokemon to uh, you mm-hmm. can ride pokemon instead of having to use hms yeah this like, is one of the great changes that i like instead of hms you just call upon certain pokemon and, and you can ride them and, yeah, you know, it's like strength from fly and swim yes. and, and all that stuff. Like it's all in there, but it's done differently. And I really like it because it makes more sense. And it also stops you have it stops the burden of having to have specific Pokemon yep. that you keep in your team because they have HMs. Yeah. And it 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 that is the possibly the best example of it seems to me that Pokemon Sun and Moon, they want to stress this um ecosystem where people and Pokemon live together and there's a deeper focus on Pokemon not just for fighting and for catching them but for all kinds of things in in, the, in this universe and I like it because it sort of highlights this relationship between the trainer and the Pokemon uh, that goes beyond you know just fighting other trainers uh, and, I, and I like that and combined with the 3D exploration which is amazing and the fact that it, the, the entire game is more accessible, it, it it is to me this game like the Pokemon game that I wanted when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, with this universe where people and Pokemon live together, they do all kinds of things together, and you can move around, you can explore. It doesn't take a lot of time to run or to, you know to move between cities, and it's it and it's you know it's beautiful to me uh it's sort of there's a great sense of freedom and i imagine if i had this kind of game when i was 10 i would have been crazy uh but maybe you know for those times it was okay to have pokemon red and yellow anyway and it wasn't it wouldn't have been possible because you know it, it's clearly the, this game is the evolution yeah. of all pokemon games before and you can see how game freak learned from everything that wasn't working in old Pokemon games. So this is the product of decades, really, of evolution and fine-tuning. 20 years of fine-tuning the Pokemon formula. And I think it's the best example of the Pokemon series for now. It's not as hardcore as previous games. Nope. But I don't think, I honestly don't think the, the sort of the grinding and the repetition and the slowness of old Pokemon games were a benefit because they drove more casual players away. And I know that more hardcore type, more competitive people uh, for, you know, there, there are people who take Pokemon games really seriously. You can still really play seriously. that way. You can you still play to. that way. Exactly. You can still play that way. But there are some people who take Pokemon really competitively. Uh, they don't like it when you say, well, but this game. You know, it's more accessible for everyone, which I think is a great thing, and it's beautiful. And so, yeah, I'm a fan of 
you know, all these changes that Game Freak and Nintendo have made. I, I'm really a fan. Uh, whether it's the Pokédex or the Islands or, or the, the the absence of the HMs, um, I think it makes more for a more fun game. That, like you said, you can experiment more. You can rotate your Pokémon more, and you can you know you can try a bunch of different strategies. Uh, I'm really I really like it. So I also have a level 41 Kadabra. Okay, so we need to have a talk here because I also have a Kadabra. We're going to need to exchange. We're going to need to get these leveled up and, and evolved into Alakazams. We're going to have to sort that out. Yeah. Um, I have a level 40 Butterfree. Now, this Butterfree is the Pokemon that I would most likely why, swap why out. Why Butterfree, Mark? Why? This is... Butterfree is strategic. No, really? <laughs> because Butterfree is my status changer. Oh. Right? Yeah, you're one of those people. You have it with your, you know, you, you're working this kind of this kind of move with your Slowpoke, <laughs> yeah, right? But I have Stun Spore, Psybeam, Bug Buzz, and Sleep Powder, right? I, this is like, I'm in the scenario where I need to catch a super rare Pokemon, out comes Butterfree, paralyzes them, sends them to sleep. You yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the kind of move that I'm going for here. Then I have my level 40 Hariyama and a level 39 Flareon. Now, oh, nice. I, there are much, much cooler, way more awesome evolutions of Eevee yes. in, in this game. However, I saw that Fire was a type that I was sorely missing, mm-hmm. so I went with Flareon. So I kind Makes of had the, the standard bases covered, right? I have Grass, Electric, Psychic, Fighting... Then I have my bug type, which is, you know, my kind of wild card and fire. I have, like, the standard elements covered, I think. Yeah, you don't have any water or ice Pokemon. I, yeah, water is water is what I'm missing, but I haven't found anything that I explicitly want. Um, and in that, whenever I find a water Pokemon that I'm really interested in, I will either swap out Butterfree or maybe Kadabra. Kadabra, or what will be Alakazam, is a super strong Pokemon, but I have Psychic. Also, by the way, Destitue is also uh, Grass slash Ghost, which mm. is an incredible pairing um, of types. Which I'm mm. oh, and also has some flying moves as well. It's a it's a very interesting Pokemon. Nice, nice. So, do you know if in this game, I think at some point you will be able to use the Pokemon Bank. To import games, uh, import Pokemon from older games. Is that yeah, right? I haven't tried that yet, but I assume it's available to me. Is it already available? I don't know. I, I haven't tried. I mean, because I because... will be bringing over my. <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> I will just have a team which is Charizard, Bob, uh, Charizard, <laughs> uh, Venusaur, uh, and Blastoise. At that you know point. what? I, you know what I want to do, Mike. I want to import my Mew that I caught. When I was playing Pokemon Yellow, I think. How did you get a while- Mew? Oh, you don't remember? We talked about this. It was a whole procedure oh, I went yeah. through. Oh, yeah. Did I do that? I don't even remember. You tried to, I think. I think you, I think you did it, Mike, actually. I think you have a Mew. <laughs> Maybe I do. Yeah, do you know what I think I do? There was that whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like several months ago. So I think it was maybe before WWDC even. Um but we had to follow a bunch of different steps to make Mew appear and catch Mew. You know, with Abra, there was like a trick. Oh, God, yeah. And walking Remember? in certain areas and all yes. that stuff. Yes, and we, we, we caught Mew. I have one, and it's super strong. It's like, it's not even fun. It's, it's amazing. It's a war machine. 
and <laughs> I, and, I, and I want to import Mew into Pokemon Sun and see what happens. Yeah, I have theory, Charmander, Pikachu, Wartortle, yes? Ivasaur, and Mew. So we need to team. do some research and understand if Pokemon Bank. I think th- see, I think the problem is Nintendo said that the old um, like Pokemon Yellow in the Virtual Console would get Pokemon Bank support in early 2017, but maybe I'm just making this up, but it would be really strange because it's a very specific type of, you know, thing to imagine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my, I think I remember Nintendo said, we're going to add Pokemon Bank support so you can exchange Pokemon from Pokemon Yellow on the Witcher console, but it's going to come out in 2017. Anyway, when that happens, we're going to import all of the first generation Pokemon, including Mew, into Pokemon Sun. It's going to be incredible. Yes. I'm going to have the team I've always wanted. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you think about... So I want to talk about other changes briefly. So we have... Um, so the island variants, those are... I, I think it's a, it's a great thing to have, like the uh, Alolan variations of traditional Pokemon. Uh, it sort of speaks to the idea of, uh, you know, like different animal species and how they change from region to region on our planet. I think it's great to have the same the same for Pokemon, and and I like it how how they mention Kanto and Yoto and all of yeah. the old regions. It's very uh, aware. Yeah. Yes, yes, very much. Uh, but what do you think about the calling for help and mm-hmm. the what's it called the the the, the bracelet thing the Z powers the Z powers. The Z powers are good because um, it is like one overpowered move that you can give your Pokemon that you can use once per battle. And and I've used it to get me out of some sticky situations, you know. Like I'm down to one Pokemon, or there's like I'm in a in a battle with a super strong Pokemon that keeps getting healed, right? And then you bust out the Z power and just destroy it. And the mm. Z powers, they they pretty much will always take down a Pokemon unless you're in some sort of severe type balance misbalance. Okay. You know, like you're trying to use a Z power that would be not very effective type for type, but it will still do a ton of damage anyway. So they're good for that. It's like a good kind of like ejector seat type thing. The calling for help is an interesting thing. So this is where wild Pokemon can call for other wild Pokemon, which turns the fight into a multi-Pokemon fight. I'm not kidding. I have had one where I had to take down four by the end. Yes, yes It just me kept too. chaining. Now, yep. my feeling about this is it's not annoying for me because it's like just battling a trainer. Super annoying. I just wanted to catch the Pokemon and kept calling for help. Yeah, that is the problem. The, th- the annoying thing about it is that you can't catch any of them until you've exactly. defeated the others. That's Which I don't what understand I think is annoying. because it's like the trainer doesn't know how to throw a ball at a single Pokemon. Yeah, like, it's a, it's a, it's a one of those limitations that the developers made it for some reason that it doesn't match with the fake reality of the game. Like, the trainer knows how to apply, for example, a potion to a single Pokemon, or he knows how to direct moves to one of two Pokemon, and now you don't know how to throw a ball at just one of them? Like, it's a, it doesn't make any sense. As a, You know, if we accept the reality of the game, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the last kind of change that I wanted to mention, and I don't want to touch on this for now, is that this game breaks from the standard story Mm. the story of like 
there is still elements of it, right? So that there is the evil team trying to steal all the Pokemon. Oh my god, those are so annoying. Like, the way they talk and they move. Oh, I think it's hilarious. Like, the little oh, gangsters it's... and the little song that oh comes on. Oh my god, oh, so bad. <laughs> it so makes bad. me laugh every time. <laughs> it's so bad. But I am at a point in the game right now where there is a pivot in the story. And it's been building, and now the story is pivoting in a way that is abnormal. Oh, um, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm 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 interested to see where it continues. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Um, but yeah. There, there, I mean, there there are elements of the the game which is different, right? Where you have the lady Lily with the Pokemon that was it Cosmos. Nebby, I think. Yeah, she calls it Nebby, but the the actual Pokemon name. Oh, really? Yeah, it's I think it's... Name Nebby? <laughs> Nebby is the name that she gives it. It's her okay. name. Okay. Um, I mean, that is... A, that, is th- that part of the story ends up adapting, and now it's... it That is now twisting the rest of the story mm. and the rest of what, the, the, what you perceive, assume to be the perceived things. I see. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think I'm... Um, you're right. Um, I should maybe follow your approach more because my time is also limited, and I and I and I cannot possibly spend you know ten hours on the first island just to view all the secrets. Now I want to continue the game. I want to discover new Pokemon. I want to know the story. Uh, so maybe the, so the, this first uh, I'm like twelve hours in, and I just reached the second island, which is not normal. I realize. Um, mm. So what I'm going to do is uh, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to follow Mike's approach and just you know power through the story and the the second island uh, because I want to I said I want to ex- expand my team I want to I want to try different things what I want to ask you Mike is do you think that overall this game makes it easy to change Pokemon as you go like if you discover a new wild Pokemon that you like. Thanks to experience share and all these other more approachable features. Is it easier than before to like, okay, I want to swap this out and try this new Pokemon? Is it or is it like a problem because you need to grind and you you know it takes time to build a team? Well but the experience share will build them up quicker. That's what I've found. So like it it still does a good job like when when you need to when you want to add somebody new. Like when I added my Eevee because Eevee comes from an egg so you add the hmm. Eevee to your team and it's super low level but it got built up to the similar level quite quickly because the experience share will just help you build that Pokemon up it's the same like I went back to catch a Pikachu with, and then I ended up catching a Pichu and it was a lower level than the team that I had at that point but it got built up quickly and then it maintains and kind of it, the experience share does a good job of building a Pokemon up, getting it to the level of your team and then keeping it there relatively quickly, to be honest. Hmm. So okay. I, I actually think that it's, it's pretty easy to add new Pokemon to your team and keep them level consistent. Um, there is a part of me that like, you know, I mean, this has been an, always a battle, but six, I would love more. <laughs> I would love 10 in my team, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. It's so hard to choose. I mean, I, and I am totally there with you in the idea of, like, this is a problem with people that, like, are, are our age playing Pokemon for as long as we have, is we kind of cling to what we know. Yes. I kind of wish that they would clear out, and, like, the, the game would just be new Pokemon. 
you know, like not not the old ones that are wild. Like you could bring them into the game via the Pokebank, but that you know the Pokemon that I see are all new to me, and they've done that in previous games, and and I think that that might be fun to do. And this seemed like a game that they could have done that with, because it's like so different, like the setting is so different, but they they didn't. So I mean, and I'm still seeing like the vast majority of Pokemon that I am seeing, like as trainers and wild, are stuff I know. Um, but you know, I mean, I like it because it's familiar. But it would be cool to maybe have a, a game now where everything is new to me again, and I have to learn what all these Pokemon are, as opposed to kind of like going to the security um, of the Pokemon. No, oh, there's one last thing about talking about that about about what you know. One of my very favorite additions to this game is once you've beat a Pokemon once, the next time you see it, yes, it is highlighted which moves are effective on it and which yep. aren't. Which is that is something that has become so important. As the games have developed and there are so many types, yeah. when there were just ba- very basic types in, in red and blue, it was easy to remember which beat which. But like, what what is effective against dark? I have no idea what's or effective fairy. against dark. <laughs> like, yeah, like, just... what, is, what do these things mean? You know, psychic and dragon have always been a problem, but they're rare and always overpowered, right? Mm-hmm. But... I mean, it's it's easy for me, you know, like I have a Pokemon that has a flying move. If something looks like a bug, then I can probably do okay against it. Yeah. But it may, but like sometimes they look like a bug, but actually it's an electric Pokemon. Yeah. So how, how? It looks like a yeah. Caterpie. How is this an electric Pokemon? <laughs> you know, so it's been, I, I like this a lot. So you, you, you open up the Pokemon and it says like, this move will be effective. This move is super effective. This move is not effective. That has been a, a good thing, I think. Yeah, again, more more accessible, you know. Uh, yeah. If if you don't have, if you cannot play for fifteen hours a day, and you don't have the time to learn, you know, this chart with all the Pokemon types, now the game makes it easier for you. Yeah. And I think it's it's really clever and it's really smart to to allow more people to enjoy Pokemon at a, you know, at a proper level. So, I, I, again, I'm a fan and I, and I want to play more. And I just confirmed, by the way, that the Pokemon Bank update will come to Sun and Moon in January 2017 with an update. Brilliant. So we should be able to to import the Pokemon from the first gen into the latest game. Uh, but I don't think you will be able to bring the Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow uh, from those first games to X and Y, which should be Generation 6, but you will be able to bring them to the latest game. That's my understanding. Right. So anyway, we'll bring Mew into Pokemon Sun. I can't wait to do that. Well, uh, yeah. I can't wait to do it. The, the good thing is, at least by then, there's a strong chance that we've completed the major game. So then we can kind of bring all our old Pokemon in and, and build them up and create the greatest team with all of the classic starters. Maybe then I can actually go back and like catch Mewtwo, like complete yellow and catch Mewtwo. Yeah. You know, just just go crazy with this and just make the team that I've always wanted. <laughs> Which so is Pik- c- well, be Pikachu, Charizard, Venusaur, Blastoise, Mew, and Mewtwo. Yeah. What a great way to finish the 20 years. Yeah, so you can be the very best. Like no one ever was. <laughs> <laughs>